Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. We're in the middle of September, and I know all the the kids and the college students have headed back to school already. I want to welcome you all back as we are going through the uh, the, the midst of a seasonal change. And I don't know if I caught my allergies or whatever, but uh, if you hear me coughing, that's what that is. Hopefully, I won't cough. But I want to welcome you all to Blog Talk Radios off the shelf for this Saturday. Oh, my goodness, and again, we're in the middle of September already, September the 15th, 2012. And as I always tell you, I thank you so much for being here with us. It is an absolute joy having you here with us today on Off the Shelf. And for those who have tuned in for the first time, I always like to thank our loyal listeners. Our number of listeners just continues to increase and increase and increase. We air here on Blog Talk Radio and also on BlakeRadio.com, where Neil Blake owns, and we thank him for his ongoing support. That's actually where Off the Shelf got started. So we're on Blog Talk Radio and on Blake Radio. To our loyal listeners, again, who've been with us for eight years, I want to thank you every Saturday when you tune in here to Off the Shelf, 11 o'clock a.m., New York City time or Eastern Standard Time. For those who might have just been on the internet, it's Saturday morning. You like what? Maybe you're working and you want something to listen to while you're working, or you're just browsing the web and you want something to check out. And you stopped over by off the shelf. Again, I want to welcome you, and I also want to introduce myself to you. I'm your host Denise Turney, and as I always say, I'm coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, and that's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't say it enough for your support. And I encourage you don't let one more day pass before you pick up a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me, not just because I wrote it, but because there's so much in this story. You're going to get mystery, you're going to get complicated relationships, you're getting romance, you're getting intrigue, and you're getting an ending that will just oh my goodness, it will really open your eyes throughout this story to the power of love. And again, that's Love Pour Over Me, which you can get online or offline uh, because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Ingram. And eBooks is for three ninety nine, And you can get it some places even for like almost $3 flat. And print is, is going to cost you more. But if you don't see it on the bookstore shelf, or at the library, just ask the clerk for it. Again, it's, it's in with the largest distributors in the world. They can order it for you. They can uh, do a, a custom personal order for you and make sure you get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. You can also go check out Love Pour Over Me, read excerpts, and also order it at my official website, which is com. Again, that's dot com. Please go do that today. And we're talking just three dollars, less less than four bucks. You can start enjoying this story. It's over three hundred pages, so it's well, well worth the three dollars that you would drop for it. And I thank you again for those of you who do go out and get a copy of Love Over Me. Let me know what you feel about the book, so shoot me an email. And now to the moment that you have been waiting for. Let us meet our special guest today. Today's off-the-shelf feature guest is Sandra Proto. Sandra is a poet. I mean, this woman is a phenomenal writer. <coughs> Excuse me. She is a poet, a playwriter, a short story writer, an essayist, a director, an actress, and a teacher. Oh, my goodness. She wears a lot of different hats. 
She co-wrote the play Who's to Blame. Poems she has written include Blackberry Beauty, love that title, Where Have All My People Gone, Motherhood Memories, and Wrapped Up in Life with Omniscient Eyes. She picked some great titles. Sandra would absolutely love it if you visit her online at www.sandraproto.com, and I'll spell that. <coughs> S-A-N-D-R-A-P-R-O-T-O. Again, that's S A N. D-R-A-P-R-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Sandra. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Denise. And I'm so I'm so happy to have you here. When I was doing the research for your interview, I said, oh, my goodness, I come across guests every now and then that I think I do a lot. And then I'm like, wow, this person <laughs> is really, really went a lot. Of <coughs> now, you use... Going, starting with that, use a, a several different forms to express yourself creatively. And I would just say writing, but you're also an actress. Right. So to express yourself, when you look back, mm-hmm. what would you say is the first creative form, short story, poetry, writing, et cetera, that you tried your hand at? And how old were you when you started, you know, creating your, expressing yourself creatively? And also, can you tell us what was going on in your life when you started to use the very first creative art form that you used? The very creative art form was um, poetry. Okay. And um, I started, um, the first poem I wrote was The Late Great April. It was giving homage to um, the first time that it snowed in April. And I was in uh, seventh grade, so I was like 12 years old. And um, that opened me up, and the so that was like the official first poem. But I guess my other poem that's really um, for myself was Blackberry Beauty, and I wrote that when I was twelve years old. And uh, I was going to uh, Blackberry Beauty is about um, is identity is about being very dark skinned, which I am, and uh-huh. trying to find. Um, trying to find my my own. Um, it, it's very personal, like I said. It's, it's just something that I was, like, uh, trying to find my own. Poetry is very therapeutic. Writing is very therapeutic to me. Yeah. So I call myself bedroom poet. So I used to sit in my room and, and, uh, and uh, pull out my little composition journal book and just sit there and write out what was going on in my world. Yeah, I I agree. I think writing is therapeutic as well. Actually, some people, counselors, recommend people, even people who might not be writers, keep a journal or do some writing. It's a good way to, whatever's in the subconscious, to to begin to let it work its way through. Right. I do do agree with you on that. So 12 years, oh, wow. I, I started when I was 10, and I think I started with poetry. But poetry, I found that to be... Very, very di- difficult. Very difficult. I have to commend you. I am. I admire poets and short story writers, and I've also met and talked with some screenplay writers. I admire them as well because you have to take. You tell such a big story with so few words, and yes. uh, the, mm-hmm. the most powerful poem I ever read. Read. I don't remember the name of it, title of it, but it was by Alice Walker, and a teacher read it in class. She used eight words, and 
she told a story in eight words. Right, right. It's kind of like a... Blue, uh, eight words? Right, right. It's um, um, Back in March, I did a, a master workshop with Sonia Sanchez. And she's such a great inspirational woman. And she's mm-hmm. like, you know, famous for the haiku. And... It's a very short form of poetry, and she was like, you guys select your words. It is a powerful poem. You know, it's a powerful genre that you write in, and it's like you have to select it. Um, I came from a, like I said, a bedroom poet. I never really had any formal, formal training until right now. And um, it's just what your feeling is. You know, that's it's just like you're putting it on paper, just what your feeling is. It's, it's, you know, before you get into technique, it's just like I didn't have technique when I was 12 years old. I didn't know what, you know, really, really how to write a poem, you know. So it was just like what my feelings came out, how it came out for me. Yeah, and, 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 and to to be able to to have so much emotion again with so few words and to have the reader fully and clearly understand what you what you are describing or a, a story or a life event that you're explaining in just a few words. Now you did talk about this earlier when you when we were explaining your when you got started writing when you were 12 years 12 years old. Do you still have that poem the late great April and what inspired you to write it? You told us yeah, more no, of it. No, unfortunately I do not. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I don't know what happened to it. Um, what inspired me was like, because what happened was, it was like, you know, we was on spring break, and one day it was nice and hot, everybody took off their jackets, and then the next day, it no. <laughs> wow, we're here in the States? Where were you? I was in New York. I, I mean, it was, it was <coughs> New York. It was, it was the first time I ever seen that happen. And what happened was I had, over break, I had to do a writing assignment. I had to do a poetry assignment, and I didn't know what to write. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know what to write. Mm-hmm. And this natural, <laughs> I wouldn't say disaster, but this natural um, event happened and inspired me. Because I'm like, I'm telling you, we, we just took off our jackets. It was nice and warm and, and everything. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you got to put your coat on and it snows. So Wow. Okay, <laughs> so I just sat on my bed and I started writing, and I, unfortunately, I do not have it. And I, you know, because you know, when I got older, or whatever, I wasn't really that serious into writing or whatever. And I had all this paper, and I just, I, you know, I might have thrown it out. I don't, you know, and I advocate never, never throw out any writing. Yes. I really I advocate that because I, yeah. I believe that's what happened. I don't want to admit it, but I believe that's what happened. That you accidentally pet- tossed it. I, I, I you know, feel- just like, okay, I'm not into that. That was when I was younger. What You know what I'm saying? Okay. I didn't think how, I didn't think about it. And mm-hmm. I believe I threw it out. And it's like, never, ever do that. And, and even with my writing here, if I think that it's not really that great or if I get stuck, I still keep it. You know, because you can always go back as you learn, or you, it, like you say, if you, if you, if, if something like, and you can, um, you can, you can update it, edit, freshen it up, 
Hey, give it a new approach. You can always do that. Your work, you can always go back. I still have old, old copies of writings I did, I mean, decades ago. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yes, uh, now, so you got your bachelor's degree in theater. Yeah. You started writing poetry, and you've done other works. You got your bachelor's degree in theater from the New York College at Brockport. Right. And would you recommend, Sandra, that writers get a degree in theater before they sit down and start writing a screenplay? Because you've also written screenplays. Would you recommend that? Because uh, a guy who owns a company that I interviewed, he said screenplay writing and novel writing and is so are so different. They are so different. But, but would you recommend that if there's a writer listening off the shelf and they thinking, you know, I would like to try my hand at screenplay writing, that right. they go I, to college and get a degree? And if you do recommend, why why would you recommend that they get a college degree in theater? Um, well, what happened, actually with the, theater, I, maybe I have to backtrack a little bit. Um, when you say in creative form, your first question, yes, theater, um, poetry, excuse me, was my creative form. But at that same time, I did go to Black Spectrum Theater Company in the summer youth program because I had an interest in acting. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't something that I was writing, but I just had an interest in acting because I was very shy. Okay. And I was so shy at that moment. You but, know, that's odd. You know, I did not have to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. You said you were very shy and you wanted to act. You would think you would run away from that. I did at first. I did at first. My um, my very first teacher before Black Spectrum was Leon Pickney. I don't know if anybody remember him from Car Wash and Angela Loves Aaron. Oh, okay. He lived in my neighborhood, and he was an actor, of course. And he had did a a um he had he did a workshop, and I used to be definitely afraid. I had an interest, but I was definitely afraid of okay. doing that. But, you know, I kind of still wanted to do it, the excitement of it. I still wanted to do it. So I pursued it, and he was like, oh, you should, like, go to Black Spectrum Theater Company. So I went there, and I did the summer youth program. And I, I love acting. You know, I love looking at the old-time movies. Like, my mother um, used to, like, show me, like, all the old Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She really got me into that. So I, I, I wanted to do that. Right. So with going fast forward to college, it was like, you know, I wasn't, I was, like I said, I consider myself a bedroom poet. I wasn't very serious about my writing at the time. I was more serious with, like, getting into acting. Okay. So, you know, so I, I did that. But I do advocate that if you want to, like, just learn and, and to observe and just to get a different feeling, I would say, yeah, you should go to a theater just because you could, like, always write about it, your experience, if you hate it or if you didn't hate it. Or, if mm-hmm. you, you know, you could always have some some experience with that. And it now, does you up. Most you students. To who you meet <laughs> as actors, because most actors are, are writers, too, because they want to get their, their own stuff out there. Yeah. And most. with theater, I was, I was an actress. I also was a stage manager. Which okay. I was, you know, helping the director out. So I saw a lot. I was helping him with or her with their vision, and then I felt like, hey, I I had my own vision too. But I learned mm-hmm. a lot from them. You know, um, either if they was like writers also, because some a lot of theater people write their own stuff, and I learned a lot from that. 
And can you excuse me for one moment? I have two little ones. And go right ahead. I go. I understand. And and I, understand. I will get back right right away. I'll, I don't worry about it. Uh, to our off the shelf listeners, we are honored to be have as our special guest today, Sandra Proto. And again, she is a poet, a playwright, and we were talking about screenplays uh, uh, briefly, and we also are going to continue that conversation. She's a short story writer, an essayist, a director, an actress, and a teacher. She's very, very, uh, she expresses herself in so many different creative forms. She's uh, uh, the, she's written plays that she's co-written or written, called Who's the Blame, Blackberry Beauty, which she spoke about earlier in the show, Where Have All My People Gone, Motherhood Dreams, and Wrapped Up in Life with Omniscient Eyes. And we're going to touch on some things with people can can use to help themselves get started in theater or in writing. You know, her early writing, she said, came through poetry. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more about screenplay writing with her. Sandra Proto is online at www.sandraproto.com. She's written, worked as a stage manager and we we're talking about uh, her. Her she got a bachelor's degree in theater from New York College at Brockport, and she did recommend even if you don't go to college to to get a degree in theater if you want to work as a screenplay writer or as an actor or actress that you at least work with some type of a uh, either a theater and get hands-on practical experience where you're working with other people who have you maybe years of experience at this and you can watch, observe, and learn from them. Or you can work with a, 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 a theater, a school, that's all they do. They just specialize exactly. I'm back. I'm sorry. Thank the, you. Exactly. It's like if you could, you know, if you want to take a class, <laughs> and you, you'll be surprised and just observing. And you know with uh, with the directors or, you know, the other actors, you know what to do and what not to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a good. it was a good learning experience for me. And, um you know, I recommend, like, I recommend if you're not into, you know, if if you want to be, because I'm more of a playwright, uh, screenwriter is more for the movies, I'm more for the stage, like the, mm. the stage. So, and screenwriting and playwriting are different also. Um, wow. Yeah, they're, they're, that's a different genre altogether. Um, it's more... Um, it's more like the plays is more immediate. You really have that connection with the audience. Yes. And um, with the with the with the screenwriting, you, you 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 to me, I don't know. I'm not a screenwriter, but it's like I feel like you have to like, okay, you you have to um, see what they like instead of like a playwright is more more relying on, like, the feedback of it. It's, like, the excitement of it. And it's, like, with the movie, you have to, like, kind of wait, <laughs> you know, to me. I don't know. I'm not yeah, a, that's what, a screenwriter. Yeah, and I guess that's why they do those, um, they do screenings for the movies before they release them so they can know. It's kind of not like stage, but. Yeah, it's not the okay, immediacy. We did, stage, yeah, um, we, playwriting, and, 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 and for the stage, the immediacy. Like, you know, it's like, wow, you know, cause, and also every night or every day wherever you perform it is different. It can be different. Yeah. It'll be the same script, but different because the audience is going to be different. And you're, and you're kind of feeding off the audience, too. You're doing your thing, but you're kind of feeding off the audience, too. 
and you, you see didn't. what works and, and sometimes doesn't work on this crowd. It may work on this crowd. It's, it's I, actually I love like the the play the play. I love the play because like this this connection with your audience. And and same thing with the writing. When I do um, uh, open mic or or or, or feature, I, I found I did a feature, my first feature in in a, in a long time at the beginning of this uh, month, and it was like. I was nervous, but I was like, it was good to get the feedback, to get, get, you know, to get the people that, you know, they understood what I was saying, and it, it, it kind of, the energy bounces around the room. Mm-hmm. Denzel Washington did an interview when he was, uh, and I forget the the woman he was was in. She was also in the movie The Help, but mm-hmm. he did a, a an interview. And he said that that was one of the things about stage. Each audience is different. He said one and one and one audience with one audience you could do something and people just roar with laughter. Mm-hmm. And then you can do the same thing with another audience and they just sort of sit there and look at you. He said it doesn't mean it didn't connect with them, but they might be more thoughtful about it. You don't you don't know why people react the way they do. But he said that just what you said. He said that is an experience that comes with working on a stage. Can you tell us about the first stage play you wrote? What what was that stage play about? What was that experience like for you? The first, the really one is, is it was like, Who's the Blame? I, I co-wrote that with my Aunt Mary Overstreet. I was trying to do different scenes. Um, I wanted to do, actually, um, it's called In the Mind of a Sister. It, it's an incomplete play. It was with um, my poetry. And I was trying to do um, something like a for color girls type of feel, mm-hmm. and I tried. You know, it it was okay, but it was like it wasn't ready yet. It wasn't ready okay. yet. Okay. I didn't have all the poems that I have right now, mm-hmm. and I think I can do it better now. So I probably will go back to it because I still have that. <laughs> so I'll okay. Go back to it, but who's to blame? It was not actually my idea. It was my aunt's idea. She, 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 you know, approached me and said, "Oh, I have this, this skit that I wanted to do," and she's telling me all the stuff that's in this one little supposedly ten minute skit. And I said, "Okay," I call we call her May. I said, "May," I said, "It sounds really good." I said, "But it can't be ten minutes. It's got to be a full length play." And she knew that, you know, because I had the experience in theater and whatnot, so she kind of let me go. So I said, and she always said she wanted to always write with me. I said, okay, you know what? Let's write this play together. Mm-hmm. And it was about a pastor um, getting sick and how the congregation uh, reacts to that. And it's about family life. It's like between his family life and his um, church life. So okay, yeah. So we sat and we wrote that together, and mm-hmm. we fed off each other. And she was so um, kind and warm, and she was letting me go through like go through it. She, you know, she always told me, "This is your baby, Sandra." Because mm-hmm. I, I put it together, we we wrote about it. It, it did become my play because I I got into it. I created these characters. I I got the names, and we collaborated together. And I'm very proud of it because it's like, wow, we actually did this together. We yeah. Actually, we actually did this. And wow. And it was one 
the best experience. It was a great collaboration. It was a great collaboration. Now, I tried to collaborate with other writers um, before, and it didn't gel. It didn't okay. Gel. So, you know, she was very open to my ideas. We mm-hmm. had the art of agree to disagree, you know. Mm-hmm. I think you would need that working with some someone, especially when each person feels very passionate about their ideals and their, their vision, to be able to somehow integrate and each person get get come away feeling like feeling satisfied. Like yeah. they didn't have to give up too much or compromise too much. Now how many of your stage plays have been perform actually been performed on the stage mm-hmm. and and how involved do you get in the process? Do you select the actors and the actresses? Yeah the props to set up? Yeah the um unfortunately I've been trying to push who's to blame. We was I was director, I was playing as director, but it was so hard to get African-American um, actors to, to come for free. <laughs> and my aunt, she it was like she wanted it to stay in the neighborhood, and we were trying to use um, various non-professional actors to do it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was very hard to... Um, get the actors together because everybody was committed here, committed there, committed, committed everywhere. So it was very hard. But I, mean, I used to have rehearsals in my house, and we had some dedicated um, actors to come and do the scenes, and it was great. And but it did finally one scene actually did finally um, was produced from my aunt's um, church. And I kind of stepped back away from it mm-hmm. as a director. I said, you know what, I could just be the playwright. And sometimes you, you could tend to do that. And they, the the drama ministry performed the scene, and I went to see it, and it was it was it was great. It was it was like it was hard. It was it was so wonderful. They did. She had also problems too getting um, actors, so she had to change some of the male roles into female roles. Okay. Which, it, it did work. It did mm-hmm. work. It did work. Because I was like, okay, yeah, that person can say that. Because I'm in always like, you know, I kind of knew it beforehand. I was like, okay, that person could be that. So mm-hmm. it's very, it's, it's difficult. Because I just remember even um, performing in, in theater shows. It, it's very difficult sometimes to get the actors together. Oh, okay. Hard thing, and yes, you need all the props, and I have experience all in that. I'm have experience all in the stage management, the props. I'm all around uh, like a theater person. I have experience in a lot of the theater, so it's hard. It's like I mean, it's hard to get everything together, but you have to have a team. You really, I don't advocate. Um, if you are a playwright, I I do not advocate you just doing it all by yourself because you do okay. need a team behind you. Yeah, and yeah, because that's too big of a project. It would seem yeah. even and then the you... reading. Because my my first initial thing was just a reading, but then I went a little step further. I said, well, well, what about a stage reading? Which a stage reading means you'll put a little bit more uh, movement into it, and you know the actors don't have to like be off book. They don't have to memorize the the the, the play or the scene, but they have to kind of move around, do the blocking, and you know. Even though I had experience with that, I had no problem with that. But it's still you need you need a team, you know. Mm-hmm. So 
to do a full-fledged production of it, I would rather, and I'm trying to um, shop it around, mm-hmm. I would rather step back and be the playwright. Because I remember okay. a director uh, once told me, he, um, I took a directing um, theory course, and, you know, he told me, he was like, oh, he said, you know what? A playwright should never be, like, really totally involved in, in the play. And I understand what he meant by that. Because a mm. playwright, a writer, period, and and I know you know you're very, I think you just you said it early, we're very protective of your work. Right. So when somebody yep. comes around and try to change it, <laughs> yes, I have yes. a problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for me, I you know, I took his advice, but for me, I, I felt like I was different because I could step away from it. You know, I could argue a point like, yeah, no, this needs to be kept in, but right. I, you know, I stepped away from it when it was um, when the drama ministry did it. I stepped away from it, and I was like, "Let me see what she she does with it. Let me see what okay. she might bring something out." That That's I good did. that you were open to that. Yeah, yeah, I, and and I, yeah, I think I, you know, I don't think I'm, I'll I'll be um, in the director's way if I just mm-hmm. step back. I would like to know what's going on. Yes, but right. but I'm not gonna, you know, unless I feel the director's like. I don't totally have confidence in them or her mm-hmm. to do it, but I, I, you know, I'll step away and let's see what what they see, because I right. know as a director, that's what I that's what I done I did, you know, I look at a script and I'm like, okay, this is what I see out of it, and, you know, and that's probably helped you because you've you've worn so many hats. It's like a writer who does nonfiction. I do writing full time, and I have various clients that I create, you know develop content for and they all want something different but it's when I edit other people's work like at my business blog writemoneyinc.com uh-huh. that's when I can get on the other side and see what it's like to be an editor mm-hmm. and I can appreciate an editor's work which it sounds like with you you've done some directing so you can step aside you can appreciate the work that a director does and some of the challenges that they face, whereas if you had only written stage plays, you might not fully be able to appreciate. I see actors, you know, I think Denzel Washington now, is he does some directing. You can appreciate that other role more when you step into it and right. you have to face those challenges up front yourself. Now, one one business I interviewed, uh, Richard Bodo, he's the um, – co-owner owned a magazine that did very well and he he launched maybe a year ago a site I don't know if you've heard of it it's called stage32.com yeah for our I'm office. a member and I got I got a um I was like wait that name sounds familiar yes, <laughs> yes, yes I got yes, to get more yes. involved with that yes and for our off the shelf listeners my brother Eric he does some some acting he has and so I told him about it but it's really grown and I, I did a wonderful feature interview with him at my business blog again which is Right for any listeners want to check it out, you can just go in there and do a search under Richard Bodo and it'll come up. But it's right spelled the way the word like you're writing W R I T E M O N E Y I N C dot com, writemoneyinc dot com. You can learn more about what he shares okay. about writing. He his writing is for film, what mm-hmm. he does. <laughs> but you can join stage thirty two dot com. I'm not a screen or stage play writer, and um, and you can network with other people. And some people have gotten, he said, good paying jobs through that. 
he had another interview that recently came out. He does these newsletters. I found so interesting. This guy's been in the industry for, I want to say, 30 years. And he was in a... Um, with that Michael J. Fox, Back to the Future. Yeah. I mean, he was, he's, he's been in some good movies, but he was talking about the ups and downs of the industry. And for any off-the-shelf listeners who are interested in that in the industry, that would be a good interview just to see how the different things he does to keep the money coming in and, and to keep being able to express himself and use his talent. Uh, because the important thing, like he said, is, is, is if you love it, to continue to do it. Right. Uh, because you don't want to just do it just for the money. He said that is just, I've heard so many people in different industries, mm-hmm. I don't care what it is, say that. Even outside the arts, you don't want to do something just for the money. You you really need to be passionate about what you're doing and love what you're doing. Exactly. I, how many people have I heard say that? Oh, my gosh. True, though, because heard so many people say that. That was a great interview. Again, that's at stage 32. That said, uh, Sandra. Yeah. For our off-the-shelf listeners, I like to give out a lot of tips, and you're so experienced and knowledgeable. What are some other places? Where are some other places that people can go where they can network and get support for the screen or stage plays or other types of these types of writing that they're doing that you're aware of? Um, you could go to like for I know for poetry and probably even for fiction. You could go to if you're a reader and you know if you're a writer, you should be a reader. Um, you could go on Goodreads. Um, I'm a part of Goodreads. Um, you can go, like, try to find in your in your city, try to find um, different places, like different places that that offers like workshops. Mhm. There's, and if you want to better your craft, like to do that, I know African Voices magazines is, is good. Um, you said African Voices magazine? Yes. Um, a friend of mine, she's the, the, the editor of it and okay. the publisher of it. Her name is um, Carolyn Butts. And and also uh, her company is realsisters.org. They do a film festival okay. here in Brooklyn. Um, and if you're a screenwriter, this was screenwriter for Real Sisters, every year they do a film festival so you can actually submit like your finished work there. Um, okay. African Voices magazines, you can submit um, different, you know, poetry or, or fiction. Um, they also, they're doing some online workshops. Um, there's like tons of stuff that, that's out there. On the that you, could just, you just made me think, what's that, what's that, that, um, uh, film festival. Robert De Niro does one up there oh. in the city. Yes, the Tribeca. Uh, what's the name of that? Oh, Tribeca. Tribeca yes. Tribeca, Tribeca Film Festival. Yes, yes exactly. That's another that's, one. Yeah, that's on Soho and yeah. Tribeca. Yes, exactly that. Yeah, just try to um, go to different. Also, um, I go. It's every two years now. I go to the National Black Writers Conference in Brooklyn. Is that Megger Evers? I mean, this is all in New York. I know your people are from all over. Go mm-hmm. to the Harlem Book Fair over yeah. the time. Um, you, you know, you get a lot of, you know, good um, panel discussions. Mm-hmm. And just, um, like, with the National Black Writers Conference, I try to go there, even though sometimes you go there and if you keep going there, you'll hear the same stuff. But it's, it's yeah. 
to hear it so it could keep you focused. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to that question, like, if you don't have the passion for it, that's exactly what happened, like, at the National Black Writers Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the panel discussions, this, this, this gentleman, he wanted to know about his poetry and how could he make mo- money off it. And I'm going to let your your readers know, I mean, your listeners know, that poetry does not sell the way fiction No, yeah, unfortunately. Can sell. Um, so unfortunate, poetry, yeah. Unless you're Maya Angelou, Sonia Sanchez, yeah, <laughs> yeah. your name, then of course it's going to sell. What sells your books is like having, you know, going to open mics, going to, uh, uh, you know, being featured at certain places, uh, going to these book fairs, go, you know what I'm saying? You have to really do self-promotion. Going to contests, poets and writers is a, a great source. Oh, yes, yes. I'm glad you mentioned them. Yeah, poets and writers. And they're at bookstores for our listeners. You can get it at a bookstore or check it online and subscribe to it. Thank you for bringing them up. They are good. Yeah, you could subscribe to them. I mean, I, I do mm-hmm. the magazine, but sometimes you want to do the magazine, you could subscribe yep. to it. Read it, Writer's Digest. Always go to those periodicals, the writer. Uh, you know, there's other, you could check the, the internet. For, there's a array of stuff. Yeah, um, that, that's out. The Red Room is another place. Red Room, yeah. yes. I did mm-hmm. look into that, and if you're really, really serious about that, yeah, the Red Room is like, yes, that's like for inquiring, you know, really good for that. Yeah, I did inquire about that, too. It's just, it's a, it's a whole lot. It's like, um, mm-hmm. I can't just recommend, you know, just one. It's a whole lot. You have right. To, it's, oh, yeah. The Internet but has I think resources. And, uh you, I think, what is it, the African-American Literary Book Club? I oh, think? yeah, Troy Johnson, AALBC.com. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's a, oh, I love Troy. And then um, Mosaic Books is yeah, another Mo- one, and that's, yeah, that's yeah, Ron Mosaic Kavanaugh. Man. Yeah. So those are, like, you know, for African-Americans, you know, those are those are for that. And it's just, you, just, just learn your craft. Just try to find, like, like I said, Goodreads. There's a lot of open forms that's on the internet uh-huh. you could do. Um, I'm actually taking a course this time uh, for um, creative um, nonfiction magazine. I'm taking a course in creative nonfiction, and uh, you know, trying to um, learn that that genre. You know, uh. so. You know, you just got to, like, just work on it and, and keep searching. You definitely love to write. In just a, a few minutes, if you could get ready to read. Okay. Treat our off-the-shelf listeners to a reading of one of your poems, if you could just prepare for that. Before you do, I wanted to ask you, is is Big Tom a Thanksgiving story? Is that based on real-life events from your life? And if not, where did you get the material to create that story from? It is real life. It, ha- it really happened. <laughs> it really happened. Like, I didn't really embellish um, much of that story. Maybe, like, when I, I mean, I mean, Charlene is me, <laughs> you know. So I okay. really, it, it, was, it was a true story. It happened to my family. Um, even the fact that uh, my mother kicked the Leona, the character Leona, kicked the turkey across the floor and her foot got stuck in it, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, so I got that from real. That was that was a real life story. That was actually my first, very first um, short fiction that I wrote. 
Um, I, that 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 story's been around for a long time. I've been like tweaking it and tweaking it and mm-hmm. tweaking it. And uh, I got you know, you know, melancholy reviews about it, which is okay. But mm-hmm. I, I I I did it as like it was like a sitcom. I wrote it as a sitcom. If it you know it, it was just like a funny in, in, you know instance that happened to my family, and I was just mm-hmm. like you know what, let me just write about this. This is this is to me it was funny. Right, right. And that's all it was about, just being funny. with was a short, sweet. It wasn't in depth, like, oh, it's all serious. It wasn't supposed to be that way. It's supposed to just be okay. like you, you're uh, reading like like it's a sitcom comedy. And, and that's, that's what I wanted. So. That's another challenge of writing. And I and that's something that I, over the years I have learned and continue to learn because we can always continue to grow and, and, and expand more and use more of our talent and sharpen our talent, but to, to, as the writer, you know exactly what's motivating characters, you know why this is happening, why you're writing a story a certain way, but the reader doesn't know that, so you have to write from the writer's perspective and also from the reader's perspective, and, that, and that's where good editors come and play, where they can tell you, you know, this doesn't make sense, even though even though as a writer it might to you, and don't get into the habit of defending your work, which we talked about earlier, because you can almost stunt your own growth if you start defending everything you do. When when people tell you, well, I, I didn't get that, I didn't understand that, then you should pay attention to that when people tell you that. Yeah, you understand it as the writer, but the reader, when they keep telling you they don't get it, you better pay attention. You better pay attention. That's, that's want, absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Like with Big Tom... Um, I don't think it's my greatest work, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna admit to that. And um, but you know what? It was, I remember reading. Um, I have this book called the what is it called the um, the MFA program. It was the the um, what is it called the I can't think. I'm sorry. The Portable MF, MFA. Okay. It, it's it's basically saying that you know what you don't have to have an MFA program. You don't have to have, go to. You don't have to get your master's. This book will show you what you what they do in in you know to get your master's. And mm-hmm. I read the section about fiction, and the writer was saying, he said, you know what? He said, all writing is not going to be that great. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know, think of something as a vignette or something, a smaller piece. Uh, you know, this is not all you. Sometimes you make good writes, sometimes you don't. You know, that's about growing as a as a as a writer. Mm-hmm. And you know, with with my with, I I feel like Big Tom's my vignette. That's why I I got it out there for free. It's like let me just see what's, what's I'm just throwing this out there. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. Some people some people liked it. Some people mm-hmm. like uh, I don't. You know, this wasn't. What I wanted to read about, it's not exciting. Okay, fine. I'm not, I don't feel um, totally bad about that. I feel like, okay, I would like everybody to like it, but hey, everybody got their own different opinions. Yeah, and and exactly. Stories I've written, I got to tell you, Sandra, I've had, I've written stories, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, this is the message I want readers to get from it. And I've had people come back and tell me they got, they, they enjoyed the story, but they got a whole. Another message out of right. it, and you know what? Again, I don't defend it. We don't know what is happening. We're just glad to connect with a reader. We can't control what readers feel right. about our stories. But I think when the, when you write a good piece as a writer, 
mm-hmm. or anybody creating anything, even if they don't write. They're developing a, a some type of a technological application, whatever you're doing. You can feel in yourself, I do, when I know this is right, this is good. You, mm-hmm. I can feel it in myself. I can feel where there's places where, I, you know, I'm going to go back and tighten that. I can feel it in my gut. I yeah. think you know when you've done a good job. I, I really do. And even if a reader doesn't say it, I think you know when you've done a good job. Right. That, that's what I feel. You, do, you know yeah, inside you do. yourself. I mean, I, mm-hmm. Like I said, it was like it was my like I said, big time. Just going, you know, it was just my first thing. It's like okay, and I had this this that short story for for years, and I finally like last couple of years, I finally like tighten it up as best I you know felt like okay, the story is moving along. I'm going to release it now. The going, you know, what you were saying before, like you know, like I wrote um, Motherhood Memories, which is a personal essay, and I was, it was, you know, it's about me and, and and having my two daughters and and what the differences are, and I, you know, I just was writing and writing, writing, and I finally completed it, and I was like, you know what, I'm very proud of this personal essay. This is what, mm-hmm. you know, this this is this is this is good. This is good. The same thing is uh, when I wrote this one poem about Rockaway Queens. I'm originally from Rockaway Queens. I'm, I I I just moved to um, Valley Stream, New York, on the island for the, uh, almost six years ago. So I used to live in Rockaway Queens, and I never wrote about Rockaway. I, I wrote poems in Rockaway because I lived there, but I never wrote about Rockaway. And I wanted to write a, a poem about Rockaway, and I sat and I just did it, and I didn't know where it was going, and I just kept writing, 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 tweaked it, tweaked it, and at the end, I'm like, I love this poem, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, this poem, and, you know, I did get the feedback off of that poem and also Motherhood Memories, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like, yeah, and I kept going back because, you know, because, you know, I, I'm also like kind of like an editor too. I could step back in my writing too, and just like, okay, this works, this doesn't work. You mm-hmm. know, you know, I could kind of go through that because I did that with my um, my book, and then I also I just finished editing my aunt's book that that um, she co-wrote, uh, "Who's to Blame with Me," her poetry book, and I was the editor for her book. So I'm I think I'm good at like stepping away. Mm-hmm. Editor and, and that, just like getting the job done, hopefully as an editor and seeing what works and, and does. Yeah, and again, that that's good. Uh, I think as a writer, are you ready to read us? Yeah, I'm going to read you. Um, I'm just going to read you Blackberry Beauty because this was my signature piece. Okay. Okay, so um, I'm going to start. And you were saying earlier, like, oh, like the poems are so short. This is not that mm-hmm. short. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, a little, it's mediocre. Is you know, a little long, um, but it's called Blackberry Beauty. She has very dark skin, some say like a blackberry. When she enters the room, all eyes are locked on this intriguing figure. She walks in her own little grace, her head carefully lowered at the floor, her steps as delicate and graceful as a swan. When she speaks, her voice is a whisper, like a quiet storm. All eyes fall on this blackberry beauty, not because she is beautiful. Some say she's ugly because she's way too dark. Others say she is pretty, but 
Snoop Dogg. Blackberry Beauty is scorned. She is two tones too dark. But if she was three tones too light, some would say she's ugly because she's a wannabe. Others would say she's pretty but too light. Blackberry Beauty is torn. She doesn't know if she's ugly or pretty. She doesn't know if her very dark skin is the cause of her ugliness or she's just plain ugly. Blackberry Beauty has all eyes on her. She slowly raises her head and smiles at the onlookers. Her walk is still graceful and delicate. Her voice is still a whisper. She says, I am the beautiful Blackberry. I was made to be way too dark because I am right. My beauty comes from my Blackberry skin, and your ugliness comes from your unripe one. That's Blackberry Beauty. Wow, you know, you know, and one thing I as I've listened to your your poem, and I could I, I enjoyed hearing you know your your own inner thoughts or struggles with how you perceived other people might have been perceiving you. But you, when when we come to love ourselves without having to even attack someone else, um. That's a beautiful thing. My sister is, me and my sister both are very different as as in skin tone. I'm a person who believes we are spirits mm-hmm. and we hate just having a physical experience. A lot of us put so much emphasis on the body that mm-hmm. it's as though we have forgotten what we really are, yeah. that we really are spirits. And, and some of us, again, we put so much emphasis on the body, mm-hmm. either through a skin tone, mm-hmm. body size, height, you know, it's, I mean, it's just amazing and the emphasis we put on the body when we're really spiritual beings Right. that you can tell we've, we've literally forgotten what we really are. Yes. And, you know, you know, I wrote that when I was 12, so I was like, so, you know, you know, the interracism around was, you know, back, you know, was there. And, Years later, when I um, when I worked at an after school program as a drama teacher, I was still hearing stuff. And even recently, like uh, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine on Facebook, she was teaching and and she had posted something that somebody said that this person is black. And it's like it, it amazes me that it's like we still going through this. Yes. Know? And and with. Blackberry Beauty, one of you know, therapeutic for me. But if somebody else could read it and yes. get something from that, you know, right, do the same yes. thing. Um, yeah, you know, that's what it's there for. That's why you know it came out of me. You know, yeah, and I think it's good that you shared it because people who are albinos, mm-hmm. they get stared at, and yeah. uh, people yeah. oh, look yeah. at them like you're way too light. Yeah, you're way too light. So it's again that that that. Uh, that focus on the body, again, uh, uh, some people won't, if you're too short, they won't date you, they won't hire you, exactly. they don't respect you, you're a short person, and they, they just, they see you as limited, mm-hmm. you know, and they almost, you're almost, almost overlooked, and everywhere you go, if you're only two feet tall and you're 35, yeah. you're going to oh, get stared well, at. I have that issue, because I'm, I'm, I'm very short, and it's like, everybody think I'm a kid, you know, I mean, they look at my face, now I'm getting a little older, but... 
you know, I'm looking a little older, but it's like, yes, I'm looking at, at look like I'm, I'm a kid. And, yeah, it's just, you know, it just amazes me. I mean, I did an article um, about um, about that. It's like, um, you know, I put the poem on it, and it was like when Gabrielle um, Tabib, I think I'm saying her name wrong, I apologize, um, who did um, Precious, you know, and, you know, yes, she was up for the Academy Award, and I was proud of her for, for the simple fact that she, you know, she kind of came on her own, you know, and, and, you know, even though, you know, maybe, I, you know, I still have issues with the Academy about what they consider in the African-American community um, award-winning, um, you know, performances and mm-hmm. stereotypes to me sometimes, but... It's you know besides that point you know I was just looking at it, I said well you know what she's a role model don't wherever met she is a role model because she's like you know she was up against Meryl Streep you know wow, what I'm saying yeah. she didn't win but she was up against that you know yeah. and she was just like you know was trying to like it was a it was just like a nice role model but I, I did her and an article her and Queen Latifah and Oprah and mm-hmm. even with the body weight. You know, I yes. that like you know, kids. Yeah. You know, they they you know, oh, you can't be obese, you can't be obese. Yes, but yeah. yourself, I understand that. But you know what? There's some beautiful, large women out mm-hmm. there. And if that's your body type, you know, what I'm saying you should be proud of that too. You know, it's not just because you're not eating healthy. It's just like right. that's the way you you're you're you were made. And right. You, be, you you know, you should be you know okay with that. You should be happy with that. You know. It's like you I can think the healthiest thing, but still be like a big boned woman, or and guy, some, you know. And some, sometimes I wonder if we don't have different bodies and colors and things, so that our source or what we call some call God can bring us to the point where if you really shouldn't be looking at that anyway. Right. No, you're, you're but, absolutely yeah, it, right. It, the inner, the inner person, their thoughts, their inner self, their spirit. You shouldn't be getting so caught up on that. But of course, you know, it's the media. You know, what yeah, I'm saying? It, it, you can't stop the media. Mm-hmm. That's that's what was 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 so detrimental. It was like the media. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's like it's the person. Uh, you know, I my my children are are mixed. You know, my mm-hmm. husband is Italian. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, and it's like you know. You know, people like look at me and like, why are you get help? Why are you marry somebody like him? It's like I love him. You right. Know? He's he's my love, love you know, love of my life. So it's not, you know, it's not like I didn't see the fact that he was Italian. You know, so it's the fact that you know what, he was decent to me. He was nice to me. I fell mm-hmm. in love with him. You know. Yeah. His spirit, his, you know, it's not, you know, just his being. You know. And, and I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't see that. <laughs> Right. You know, yeah, it's almost it's, like you it's almost like you're on a football team and you went and played you went and you went and, and rooted for the other team. But again, I think as we begin to awaken more and realize what we are yeah. and the, the, these bodies are just a they're just a temporary shell for all of us. Exactly. And and they we we have to get beyond and maybe that's the a, a measurement when we do get beyond seeing past the body and seeing what's the real beauty in all of us there mm-hmm. that we start we start to awaken some of us are so body conscious it, right it, that's why I, I mean I, it's amazing that's <laughs> why I think uh, you know 
that's why I think, like, you know, I, I consider, like, I mean, yes, like, black rare beauty, because, you know what, just like with hatred and, and racism is still around because it's learned, you yeah. know? And this is this is too learned. So if you have material out there to say, look, this is, you know, be proud of who you are, you know? Yeah. Be proud of who you are. I think it, it will help awakening more people. Yeah, and we're going to put these shells down one day anyway. We only in them for a minute. Exactly. We only in them for a minute. So right. I, 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 it just as we begin to awaken more, right? And, you know, we'll stop judging each other based on something that's so incredibly temporary. Exactly. It's just amazing that we put so much emphasis on it. As we come down to the last three minutes of the day show, and I have truly enjoyed connecting with you today, and I'm sure our listeners have have absolutely enjoyed you as well. How can our off-the-shelf listeners, Sandra, they want to go out and get some of your poetry, some of your poetry books, how can they get copies? And if any of your plays are are currently running, can you tell us where they're running so people can come out and support you? Okay. Well, I don't have any plays that's out there yet, but um, my book, um, Wrapped Up in Life with Ominous Eyes, you could get that on uh, um, com or Amazon.com, or um, you could get an ebook on Smashwords.com. Um, Smashwords, I might like change the price. It's five ninety nine for the ebook. Um, it's okay. fifteen dollars uh, online. Or if you're in the New York area, especially in Long Island, um, in October, you could check my website www.sandraproto.com. You can okay. go to the readings and um, performances um, page. And the mm-hmm. next performance, I believe, I'm going to be in, it's going to be October 20th. And it's okay. going to be Locust Valley um, Library in Locust Valley, okay. New York. That's in Long, uh, Long Island. Mm-hmm. And um, you can also check out my blog at www.sandraproto.blogspot.com. It's called My Writing Corner. Mm-hmm. And um, you can see some of my writings there. So, okay. And also my aunt's poetry book is going to be coming out <laughs> that I edited. So that, that's going to be also on my website and um, my um, blog. Now, do you have links at your website, sandraproto.com, S-A-N-D-R-A-P-R-O-T-O.com, that, that ha- people can, if they want to order your book, they can click on the link right there at your website and, and order your book. Yeah, the thing is I have to update it. Unfortunately, okay. I was updated and I forgot to do that link. Um, I believe, um, let's see, let's see, I'm sorry. Um, you can just use, it, it is on, you could just type up my name, like either on the Internet. You okay. Can type up my name, Sandra Proto, and my work should come up. And I'm in the middle of, updating my my website so I can have that link there. Okay. So I can All right. have the so, link there. <coughs> until that link is up for our off-the-shelf listeners, and you heard her read from her poem, Blackberry Beauty, which she wrote when she was 12, and I think that's awesome. You can go to lulu.com, amazon.com, smashwords.com, and her book, that her poetry book is titled Wrapped Up in Life with Omniscient Eyes. Sandra Proto. So again, lulu.com, amazon.com, and smashwords.com. And her website again is sandraproto.com. Sandra, I have <coughs> so enjoyed having you here with us. Excuse me to everybody for all my coughing, but I've so enjoyed having 
you're here with us and to our off-the-shelf listeners. So happy to have you guys tune in. Please come back next Saturday, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time or New York City time from wherever you are in the world. I absolutely love, and I do mean love, having you here with me. You can always drop me a line and leave any comments or questions that you have as our listeners, any any guests that you'd like to see on upcoming shows. Again, we do focus on literature and, and, and the the writing the writing industry as a whole, whether it's screenplay, stage play, editing, publishing, marketing of books, or digital or print or, or writing. So I'm I love to hear from you guys and I thank you all for your continued continued support over eight years. I just think it's amazing. Please tell your family and your friends to tune in to just set aside an hour every Saturday, eleven to twelve New York City time to listen to and enjoy Off the Shelf as we continue to bring you guests who give you tips and pointers and share their stories, things that can encourage you and motivate you and inspire you and help you as you go after your own dreams and goals. Please go over and support Sandra Proto. Visit our website, Sandra Proto, S-A-N-D-R-A-P-R-O-T-O.com, and pick up a copy of her book, Wrapped Up in Life with Omniscient Eyes. And please also go out and get a copy of Love, Pour Over Me, my latest book, which you can get anywhere online or offline. Thank you so much for being here. As I always tell you, you are phenomenal. You are incredibly blessed and so valued. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Sandra, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you.